Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Very good. Hey, we are um, continuing our ghost series. We're finishing it this morning, actually. We've been looking at what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the church in the 21st century here in Long Jetty. And I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a, a bit of a contentious theology within church world. Um, and the question comes down to, when do you receive the Holy Spirit? Is it at your conversion when you decide to become a follower of Jesus? Is it at your water baptism, like the physical baptism that you receive the Holy Spirit? Is it another time where you receive the Spirit? And this is a really important question because receiving the Holy Spirit is an integral part to living the Christian life. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 says, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord, and like Jesus is Lord is the, um, the, the central frame of what it means to be a Christian. If you can't say Jesus is Lord, if you can't say I'm living in the kingdom and I'm trying to live under the way and the kingship of Jesus, then you're not a follower of Jesus. And so what this verse is saying is that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't say Jesus is Lord. And so you need to, be, you need to receive the Holy Spirit to be a Christian. It's a very significant verse. Um, John, talking to his disciples, said, um, truly I tell you, in John 16, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Now, that is a profound statement. Jesus is saying it's better that my physical body goes away. He's saying it's better that the Holy Spirit would be here with us in a room of 30 people on a rainy Sunday morning in Long Jetty, very far from Jerusalem. But it's better that the Holy Spirit would be here than Jesus' physical body. That is a profound statement. That is a powerful statement. It's the Spirit that gives us the presence of God, and it's the Spirit that gives us the power of God, both presence and power. It's through the Spirit that we receive wisdom and guidance and relationship to the Son and to the Father, and it's through the Spirit that we receive the power of God, the stuff we talked about a couple of weeks ago, those nine things we find in 1 Corinthians 12 around prophecy and healing and miracles and faith. It's the Spirit that enables that in us. And so there's this concept out there called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This started with a guy called John Wesley, who was a great revivalist in the UK, um, started the Methodist movement, which this building, this church was actually a Methodist church. And so we have roots back to uh, John Wesley, like this, this physical space. We are a Baptist church, but this was a, a Methodist church. And he had this theology around what he called the second experience. The first experience being when you receive Jesus, but there is another experience, a second experience, where you have an encounter with the presence of God or the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then in the Isusa Street Revival, which is in the early 1900s in LA, which is the birth of like the Pentecostal movement, they um, started reading the book of Acts and taking it seriously, and they would lay hands on one another and pray for each other to receive the Holy Spirit, and often they would have a spiritual encounter with the presence of God, and they would speak in tongues. 
and begin to prophesy. And so our Pentecostal brothers and sisters have this very well-formed theology around the baptism of the Spirit as something separate to when you follow Jesus or when you get, get baptized. So I want to look at this question. When do we receive the Holy Spirit? The first thing we need to get clear, though, is what actually is baptism. Baptism is a central part of um, Christianity. And so in order to understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, we have to understand what baptism is. So number one, quick, a, a few quick things. Baptism is immersion. The word is baptizo. It means to immerse. It's the same word that we'd use to have a bath or to wash your hands. It's just like dunking in water. When I got baptized, I was about 18 or 19 years old. It was at Blue Lagoon, and it was a day actually quite similar to this. It was like very dreary, and the surf was huge, and I got immersed many times before I actually got baptized because I had to go through the waves. So I was well and truly baptized um, on that day. But baptism means immersion, being fully immersed in water. There were these people in that 16th and 17th century in Europe called the Anabaptists, which is like part of the formation of like our movement, the Baptist movement. And they begin um, to say and have a conviction around that only adults should get baptized or only people that can choose to get baptized. It was very common then, especially with the Catholic Church, that people would get baptized as infants or christened as infants. And they had this theology around, actually, you have to choose to follow Jesus before you can get baptized. Um, and it was such a contentious issue that Catholics and some Protestants hunted them down and literally killed them. <laughs> um, and so it was a really big deal. Like, we just, we think about it as not, not that big a deal. But, like, it was, people died over this, which is pretty intense. Luckily, you know, we've put all of that <laughs> behind us and don't have so much contention these days. But there's stories of the Crusaders, which was a particularly dark part of Christian history, um, of holy war and all sorts of atrocities. But the Crusaders, before they went out to battle, uh, there were these soldiers and they would baptize themselves fully, except they would hold their sword out of the water, like saying, you can have all of me except for this part. And that's not immersion. Immersion is going fully under. You can have all of me. I'm, I'm going all the way in. So baptism is number one, immersion. Number two, it's sacrament which is a very church word, a churchy kind of word that really means a, a ritual that we've imbued with meaning. So the Lord's Supper or communion is a sacrament. A wedding ceremony is a sacrament. It's this like normal kind of thing, but we've packed it full of meaning. And baptism becomes a sacrament. It would be very normal that you would baptize yourself, like you would have a bath or you'd go for a swim. That's baptizing yourself. But when someone comes and baptizes you in the name of Jesus, it becomes imbued with meaning, like this anchor point that we pack full of meaning. We re-enchant it. We look back, and it becomes this ritual ceremony that becomes important to us. The third thing that baptism is, is purification. In the Old Testament, in the Jewish tradition, you would purify yourself if you had done something wrong, like if you'd touched a dead person, which was like against the law, um, then you would have to purify yourself. You would have to baptize yourself, wash yourself. Uh, if you were going into the temple, you would purify yourself. You would baptize yourself. Um, there's a story of Naaman in the Old Testament, and he had leprosy. He had this skin disease. And Elisha the prophet goes and tells him to baptize himself in the Jordan River, and he comes up and he is cleansed. There's this idea of purification. Number four, baptism is initiation. 
And in the Jewish tradition, they'll do this as well. You could become a Jew, even if you weren't born as a Jew. A Jewish is like a nationality. You're like part of a country. But you could follow the Jewish customs, even if you weren't a Jew, but you would have to be initiated through baptism. You would, you would be dunked in the water and come up, and then you would start to follow the customs. You would get the old circumcision as well, which is, um, I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Um, number five, repentance. We get to the, the New Testament. John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River. This is very significant. This is, this is where Israel, the Jews, entered into the promised land and the river stopped and they came through. It was like the beginning of this new phase of the Israelite story. And John was telling Jews that they had to be purified and reinitiated into the faith. It was a very contentious thing, very political. That's why he got beheaded, because um, the powers that be didn't like this. But it was about repentance. And repent means to turn, to like change your mind, turn around, reorient yourself. That's what repentance means. And the, th- and the sixth thing that the Christians began to do was to baptize people in the name of Jesus, an identification with the way of Jesus. Romans tells us that as we go into the water, it's like we're identifying with the death of Jesus. And as we come out of the water, we're identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. It takes on all these other meanings as well, like this immersion. Matthew 28, um, Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, immerse them in this like community of love. It takes on this purification ritual that we receive the forgiveness of sins from Jesus who died for us on the cross. It's this initiation. Ephesians talks about being baptized into the family of God, baptized into the body of Christ. And it's this repentance of like recommitting, reorienting my life around the, jay, around the way of Jesus. And the best way that I've thought of thinking about the kind of ritual or the sacrament or the ceremony of baptism is like a wedding. So when you decide to marry someone, that happens generally a long time before you actually get married. So there's a point where, you know, someone will drop on the knees and will you marry me? That is like the point of deciding to get married, but that's different to actually being married. And the wedding ceremony is the, um, the, the kind of the actual moment that that becomes a reality. And so for Christians, baptism is like that. Conversion is like the point that I'm deciding to follow Jesus. Baptism is the ritual event that we imbue with meaning. It says from this point on, I am a follower of Jesus. I identify with the way of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is Lord. But we know that the story doesn't end there for married couples, right? You still continue to be married. You have to continue to choose to be married. Um, You have to continue to work through issues. Like it doesn't just end at the wedding. That's just the start of the journey. So that's baptism, water baptism, immersion. So then what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? What's this idea of the baptism of the Spirit? Baptism occurs 70 times through the Old Testament, or through the New Testament, and about seven times we see this phrase or this idea of baptism in the Spirit. So the first time we see this is in Luke chapter 3. So John the Baptist is there. He's baptizing people for repentance. And he says this thing in verse 16 and 17. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Sounds dangerous. I'll baptize you with water, 
he's going to baptize you in fire, which sounds like, doesn't sound nice. It's an odd phrase, but we'll see what that means in a second. Later in that chapter, John then baptizes Jesus. And um, Jesus is baptized, and he goes into the water. He comes out, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. There's this, there's this kind of moment of, of um, uh, the Father saying, you are my son who I, who I dearly love. This moment of Jesus getting baptized in water, yet he receives the Spirit. And this is the point where Jesus begins his ministry. All the miracles, all the teaching, all the things that he does, all the, all the healing, all the prophetic things happen after this moment of baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. It's a really significant moment. And then fast forward, Acts chapter 1. Verse 5, Jesus has been crucified. He gets raised from the dead. He's hanging around for 40 days, speaking to his disciples. And he says this to them just before he ascends into heaven. He says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is just before Jesus ascends, and he's harking back to that moment where he gets baptized, which was, you know, three years earlier. He says, John baptized you with water, but in a few days you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Then a few days comes, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost happens, and there are 120 believers praying. They receive the Spirit, and it says this funny phrase that things like tongues of fire came and rested on each of them. Was a tongue of fire, like a little, you know, a lick of fire came upon, upon each of them, which is what John was talking about. Oh, you, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, which is a hark back to Exodus where God led his people by a pillar of fire. It was like to do with his, his presence and his guidance. Um, so then we go on to Acts chapter 8. Are you following me? You with me? Yeah, good. Acts chapter 8. This is years later. And in verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria, who were like uh, kind of like a half-Jew, half-Gentile mix, and the Jews didn't like them very much, and so it was another country. And this was a big deal that, like, the Holy Spirit was working in a different country. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had received a baptism in water, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. We go on two, two chapters later and um, Peter is hanging out. He gets this vision that sort of means to him that he's going to go and speak to Gentiles, people that are not of his faith. And this messenger comes says, can you come and speak to my master, Cornelius? He's a Roman official and the Romans had overtaken Jerusalem. They didn't get on. So it was a bit of a contentious thing. Peter ends up going, and he takes a few friends, and it says this in verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So he goes to these people and they receive the Holy Spirit before they have the baptism of Jesus. So that's interesting. And one more verse. We go to Acts chapter 19. 
It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, which was a city, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, which is another city on the coast, where he found several believers. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, which sounds like some Christians, I know. Um, Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who came later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So these people weren't even really followers of Jesus. They believed in John, then they received Jesus' baptism, and then they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what can we take from all of that? Not much. (laughs) What we seem to see is there is no formula. There's no formula going on here. And um, the church has wanted to make a formula of when you receive the Holy Spirit. But we see all these different moments. As Jesus' baptism, he got baptized in water and received the Holy Spirit at the same time. The believers meeting just before Pentecost uh, had presumably been baptized at another time. They received the Holy Spirit separate to when they were water baptized. They go to this um, uh, people in Samaria. They've been baptized, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. They go to someone else. They receive the Holy Spirit, and then they got baptized. There's no formula. Because the Holy Spirit is not a power to wield. He is a person. And he does what he wants. But what we can gather from these passages is that we are, as followers of Jesus, commanded to be baptized. It's an expected part of what we do, baptized in water as a ceremony, ritual, sacrament, this thing that we imbue with meaning. And we are expected, as followers of Jesus, to have a moment where we receive the Holy Spirit. So whether that's before you become a Christian, whether that's when you become a Christian, whether that's when you get baptized, whether that's at another point, who knows? It doesn't really matter. It just matters that it does happen. We are to receive the Holy Spirit. And the New Testament continues with that theme, and we don't really see that phrase anymore, baptism with the Holy Spirit, but we see very often this term to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that term in Greek really means to be filled and continue to be filled. Kind of like when you get baptized, you eventually dry out. N.T. Wright, who is like this Anglican, you know, scholar, was asked in a Q&A once, um, someone asked him, Are you, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? He said, yes, but I leak. John Mark Comer, talking about John Wesley and his like theology around the second experience, like there's the first experience of conversion and a second experience with the Holy Spirit. He says, yeah, I believe in the second experience, but I also believe in the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, to receive the Spirit, but continue to receive it. And that's why we pray that ancient prayer that we pray here very often. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Because we need to be filled and continue to be filled. It's in baptism, both water baptism and spirit baptism, water immersion, spirit immersion, that we are immersed into the way of Jesus. It is both water baptism and spirit baptism that we have like this sacramental wedding ceremony-like moment that gets filled with meaning. It's in baptism and spirit baptism that we receive the forgiveness of Jesus. 
It's in baptism and spirit baptism that we are initiated into the way of Jesus, into the family of God. It's through baptism and spirit baptism that we identify with the way of Jesus. It's in baptism and spirit baptism that we receive the presence of God and the power of God. So what do we make of all that? We're commanded to get baptized in water. And we're commanded to receive the Holy Spirit. That is what we are commanded to do as followers of Jesus. So as we begin, the band can come back up. I would love for us, if, if you like, to stand. And as a sign of just being open to what the Spirit's doing, to close your eyes, lift your hands out in front of you. Like is common for us here, we're going to pray this prayer in a second and pray the prayer, come Holy Spirit. And I'm very aware there's a a diverse amount of journeys in this room. Some of you have been following Jesus your whole life. You've been water baptized. Maybe you've had an experience of the Holy Spirit before. Maybe you've been water baptized but never had an experience of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You're here and you've just come uh, with no faith background. Maybe you're coming back to church. What we know from the scriptures is there's no formula. All there is is relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we just create space right now. We breathe deeply. Just make yourself aware of the presence of God. And we pray that prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm living right now that you would feel a sense of immersion of healing, of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of the presence of God. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill us again? Fill us to full and overflowing. God, would you produce fruit in our life that only you can love and joy and peace and patience and goodness gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God, would you give us dreams and visions and gifts? Would you speak into our future? God, would you fill us with love where we're broken and empty? Might we see a way forward where there hasn't been a way forward before? Would you bring the miraculous to show? God, would you bring physical healing for those of us that are feeling sick or unwell, got to pray against the flu, got to pray against COVID, got to pray against lower back injuries and neck injuries, things with our feet. God, would you bring healing in Jesus' name? Holy Spirit, we want to receive your baptism, your immersion. 
We want to know you. We thank you for you. We just take a few moments of waiting and receiving. We breathe you in.